Hi everyone, and welcome to The Human Behind the Screen. And I'm your host, Shauna Morin. The ways in which we work and scale workforces are changing. No longer are we reliant on physical locations in order to operate as a business or a team. And this shift in building teams and companies is coming rapidly. And businesses are being forced to adapt to what they've always done for years. But what does this mean for the humans behind the screen? How do we bring back that human connection when we primarily work online? In this podcast, we'll be speaking to leaders and experts all over the world to dissect what makes businesses successful at remote working. We'll be discussing the importance of human connection, emotional intelligence, and relationships in an ever-changing virtual world. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of The Human Behind the Screen. I always say that remote working is never an end goal. Yes, there's so many people out there that dream of remote working and a better work-life balance, free from long commutes. However, remote working comes with its own unique set of challenges, and that's for remote workers and employers. So today I'm delighted to welcome Brad Jasper onto the show. So Brad is a product developer. He's really passionate about bootstrapping products like Hey Focus app and Catch Notes. But most importantly, and the reason he's here today is because he's the creator of Remote Habits. And Remote Habits is an online community and it's focused on sharing these key lessons and learnings and best practices for anybody who works remotely. So Brad, you're very welcome to the show and thank you so much for being here. How are you today? Good. Thanks for having me. You're most welcome. Thanks for being here. So Brad, maybe tell us a little bit about how you got started with remote working. What's that journey been like for you? Sure. Yeah, it's been a few different versions of it in kind of different ways over time. So I originally started out as basically a freelance or a consultant. So I was working at a regular job going in and uh, was looking to get some more freedom. Didn't really have anything in mind. And a company reached out to me, somebody that I'd worked with in the past. And they basically said that, you know, they'd love to work on a project with me, but they happened to be spread out. One was in New York, one was in North Carolina. And so it kind of just naturally fell into this remote work kind of position. You know, the, the job paid really well. And so I jumped on it and ended up being a really good fit. But it was a big challenge because I'd never really done anything like that before. I'd always worked in an office. And so shortly after that, I actually ended up moving to New York. And so went back to working in the office. And then shortly after that, started kind of this hybrid thing where I was working some of the time in the office, some of the time out of the office. And then after that, I uh, really kind of kept exploring a bunch of different roles. Finally landed on really a consultant role, basically an independent consultant role, where I was working inside companies' offices, but also working a lot of time on my own stuff. And it just it had an enormous amount of freedom, which gave me hours back in my day. It allowed me to focus on other things that I was really passionate about, like building my other products and businesses. And so I learned a ton. It was, it was a huge challenge. In some ways, it's still a big challenge. But I really just realized that it's this big opportunity for a lot of people because most people are, are just limited to where they're you know, 50 miles, 60 miles surrounding them, 100 sure. miles. And so I just noticed there was this huge thing that was happening. I'd done it in a few different ways myself. And I'm really interested in kind of what the, the benefits you can get as a small entrepreneur, as a small independent creator. Uh, it's a way to get back an enormous amount of leverage, which mm -hmm. is a really important thing when you're trying to get independent, when you're trying to get more time, more flexibility, trying to earn more money. Any of these things can can really end up helping. So 
that's yeah. kind of the the initial push that, that got me in. It's interesting because it seems like you had a couple of different learning curves there all at once. You had the entrepreneurship and starting your own business and going out on your own, but then also trying to create, you know, this this new working environment, which was working for yourself at home alone without a team around you. So mm-hmm. in terms of those first couple of months, right, because obviously you went into the journey of entrepreneurship. So you were working for yourself. You were yep. as a consultant, as a freelancer, you didn't have a team around you. But then added on top of that, you were also working remotely, primarily on your own. So what were the first few major lessons that you had to learn in in doing that? Yeah, that's a really good question. I I think for most people, well, for for myself anyway, I noticed that I started struggling with discipline in the early days. Mm -hmm. I'm very disciplined in my own work, or at least it feels that way. But when you have more flexibility, I think that some some new habits can kind of emerge. So things like, you know, uh, waking up late, staying up late, one of the most common things I think is not having a good separation between your work. Um, and this is even worse when you're working on your own projects, when you're an entrepreneur. And so it just feels like you're working all day and you don't necessarily have good separation between you know working and then move, being able to leave the office and kind of leave all that behind you. When you're working remotely, it kind of stays with you. And so you need better routines to, to kind of get through stuff like that. I also noticed that a lot of your structure or a lot of your, your networks come from working. So a lot of your friends, a lot of your you know, business relationships, a lot of your, you know, even sometimes romantic relationships. And so for people who have kind of put themselves outside of these networks, it's a big, big kind of wake up call that, you know, you've got to do a lot of extra things to, to make up for some of the things that you're missing. But I found that if you can, you can make up for some of those things that the trade-offs can be, can be really good and worth it. Yeah, I love that. Obviously, you know, routines and habits and discipline are so important. And we're all different in how we set those up for ourselves, because there's no one size fits all for every single remote worker. But how did how did you overcome that? How did you find the best routines, habits and disciplines for yourself in those first couple of months? And even now, right, because the other thing to mention is we've spoke about it before is when you're remote working, that journey might change. That routine that you have had for the last six months might not serve you as maybe you work on a different project or work uh, across different time zones or, you know, Mm -hmm. that you do have that flexibility to change. So tell me about what were the things that you implemented that worked for you in those first couple of months of working remotely? Yeah, I found that, um, you know, you can really, just like anything, you can focus on a few things that are really important and get a lot of results. And so I found that to be the sweet spot for figuring out the things that work for me. And so the kind of example would be, you know, you could come up with a list of 100 things that you have to do that day, and you could try to do them all very rigidly. But after doing that for a week or two or three, then you're going to kind of fall back to your defaults. And so I tend to try to focus on like, what are those core things that really make a big difference? And Mm so, you know, the equivalent maybe is like, if you're trying to lose weight, not sitting there all day thinking about not eating the cookie, but actually like eating healthy food, drinking, you know, drinking water, going for a run, doing the healthy habits that make, you know, having a cookie not that big of a deal. I think the same thing is, is very much true for remote work. You have to find these rhythms that work for you. And it's a constant challenge. It, it's always something different. But I, I found that there's usually like two or three things that really move the needle. So for me, 
it's sleep. I've, you know, I've, I've gone through the whole kind of health gamut of like, you gotta eat well, you gotta sleep well, you gotta, you know, exercise, you gotta do all these different things. And of course that's true. But I think for me, the, the biggest lever is, is sleep. You know, it just kind of performs a reset of the entire day. Even mm. if you're, you're stressed, you can wake up the next day and kind of get after it. And then another thing I, I kind of called like my lead domino, which is I noticed there was a series of habits that if I could kind of get these habits going, the rest of the day would kind of fall in place. And so uh, for me, it's getting down to a physical office that I have for myself. And so actually it's getting out of the house to a little location that I have. And I noticed that if I do that, the rest of the day tends to fall in place. I tend to get good exercise for the day. I tend to, you know, get out at a decent time. I tend to, you know, have a good breakfast, mm. tend to get to work pretty early when I get there. And so the whole day just kind of snowballs in a way that I think is just a, a lot more useful. So it's a constant battle. This is honestly one of the reasons that I created Remote Habits is to, to learn more about this stuff because I, I think that it is so individual and even the same person can have very different methods, even throughout the same year. So here where I'm at in Portland, the rainy season, it's a little bit different. I, I don't get into the office quite as much, but um, you kind of find your, your rhythm within whatever you're doing. So. Absolutely. I love some of your your routines and habits. And most importantly, I really admire the self-awareness piece that that you have gone through. Right. And I think that that is a fundamental in working remotely. It's as you said, it's not the same routine is not going to work for everybody, but it's about, mm -hmm. you know, bringing that self-awareness to your work, to what serves you when you perform at your best. You know, you know what you actually need in order to feel at your happiest and, and your most well. So it's, I think asking yourself those questions as a remote worker is, is really important. And also for people managers of remote workers and, and colleagues of remote workers to be asking those questions as well for that level of accountability. But you mentioned mm -hmm. something that I want to touch upon, and I think it's a really important topic is around that network. And, you know, you mentioned that a lot of your network comes from the work that you do and if you mm -hmm. are a remote worker added on top of that if you're a freelancer or a consultant or a coach that has a business of one then that network kind of doesn't expand as wide I suppose you know you have to kind of act proactively to build that network and mm -hmm. to that network as much as possible the remote working isolation piece is it is becoming an epidemic now I think you know it's really important to touch upon that so what kind of things did you put in place to help you build that network and to build relationships and, and create that social aspect to your work-life balance yeah so I've I might be in a slightly different position than most or maybe just you know I've, I've kind of experienced this more if I was a military brat when I was a kid and so I've moved around more times than I can count and so I've, I've had this basically having to kind of move to a new area and kind of start over you know that doesn't it's not really that scary for me so that's something that I think has been a real advantage is that as I get into kind of a new area I've been able to kind of fall back on some of these old habits that I've had to do for you know decades anyway and so some of the, the common things are, you know, I, I find like actually meetups are a really great way to meet people. The smaller, I think, tends to be the better. The bigger meetups tend to be, you know, more presentational and not quite as one-on-one. -on -one. But I found great meetups around things like indie hackers. There's like independent people that are trying to create stuff in your city all over the world. 
And, you know, I've met a number of really good friends this way. I've met some good business partners. So yeah, I think that's, that's one of the ways is to kind of jump into some of these other networks. So things like meetups and social networks and things like that. Another good way is kind of the, you know, flipping the method and kind of creating a, a distribution so that people are coming to you. So one way that I do this is I have apps, so productivity apps, creativity apps, and I leave notes on stuff. So if, you know, if you're interested in this and you'd like to reach out and you'd like to chat, you know, uh, reach out to me. And I've had, you know, every few weeks I'll go out and I'll, I'll, I'll chat, I'll get coffee with somebody or I'll, I'll talk with somebody online. And this is kind of a way to just stay in contact with the people that want to be in contact with me the most. It, you know, the people that are most interested in the stuff that I'm doing, I can actually use that as a network to pull in other, you know, to kind of seed other ideas. And so, you know, being proactive about writing and putting things out there and telling your story online can attract like-minded people. Just reaching out to people, you know, you'd be surprised at what a well-worded, you know, one-on-one email can, can do. I've responded to a ton myself and they've started some really interesting relationships. So, you know, there's all kinds of things, but I would say those are probably the biggest for me is just putting yourself out there in the networks that you want to be involved in, make yourself visible. People will come to you and then you, you'll kind of find those, those connections a lot of times online. And that's one of the really cool benefits actually of remote work is having a bunch of coworkers or friends spread out all around the world. When you travel places, you now get to meet up with people that you've chatted with for, for years and developed a relationship with. So that I, is, you know, yeah, yeah it's that is cool. one of the best parts about it, you know, um, yeah. is having those connections all over the world. As you said, you know, when you travel, you, oh yeah, I remember, you know, uh, yeah. previous colleague lives here or, um, sure. you know, they can show me around. So that, that definitely is the perk. How important was it for you to find that balance between online connections and offline connections? Because, you know, that's obviously the, the options are there for both right there's a lot of online communities now exactly like remote habits that bring Mm -hmm. remote workers together and then there's the offline as you said kind of like meetup but how important was it for you to find that balance of in-person and online relationships I mean really important I've been kind of working on the online relationships for as long as I've you know been been online and working and it, it's not enough to just have that. You really do need the local relationships. And so um, it's great to have the online relationships. And it's, it's great if those people are in your city. But I'm kind of able to you know, hold myself off and like, you know, throw myself at an idea for 12 hours a day more than most people. And I'm, I'm pretty okay with that. But even I, I've kind of noticed that, you know, after a while, you really, you know, we really are social animals. We really do need humans and it's really good for us. And so, you know, once you kind of go through that, you realize like, well, I got to, you got to find something, whatever it is. Maybe it's a sports activity that gets you out there. Maybe it's a, a book club. Maybe, maybe it's game night. Maybe it's meetups. Maybe it's just go grabbing drinks with friends, coffee, you know, whatever it is. But you have to find something that kind of forces you to do that stuff. And this is easier for some people than others, you know, for, for introverts, this is something that you really got to push yourself to do, I think. Yeah, that's some great advice there, Brad, which kind of leads me on to my next question is, in your experience, do you feel that there is a certain personality type or skill set that makes people good or successful at remote working? Or do you believe that everybody can adapt to make remote working work for them? I think certain personality types definitely do better than others. I would actually think extroverts would be one of the ones that might actually struggle a little bit more in this case, because you'd have to find those replacements. You'd have to find those, maybe, you know, maybe co-working space is a good fit for people like that. But yeah, I, I do think 
people can learn. I think it, it really depends on how the companies are working with them. But I think you have to be somebody that can self-govern a little bit. You can you have some self-discipline, something that I've kind of had to build. So I think that mm. it shows that you can still build it. But I think that's there's certain things that just make it significantly easier. So being able to 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 have a little bit of solitude or, or you know being by yourself for extended periods of time. Again, if you don't like that, there's still things you could probably do, like co-working space, things like that. So I think in general it probably works better for kind of like the deep knowledge work, you know, writers, people who need to spend large amounts of time kind of deep in work. I think it it tends to work best for those kinds of professions because they don't, as opposed to like a a team that needs a ton of intercommunication. Mm -hmm. Like that's actually one of the the interesting things we can get into is like, where are the parts that remote work works best? Where are the parts that it maybe doesn't? You know, I think for a small team that's trying to move as quickly as possible, I I can't think of a, a faster situation than all being in a room together around a whiteboard. But at the same time, uh, it's enormously difficult, enormously expensive to actually do that. And so I see remote work as kind of this trade-off of getting the the best team and actually becoming the most efficient solution, not necessarily being the fastest. Um, so. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's about hiring for those soft skills that are fundamental in remote working. So, you know, obviously communication skills, you know, how well can you articulate your ideas, your message across written communication, across video communication, um, across audio? You know, how open are you to adapt to new ways of working and new working environments? Um, And I think there's a lot of technologies out there that can help support a lot of that collaboration and brainstorming and communication. Mm -hmm. But I I do believe that it starts within the team itself and having that skill set to support it. So there's benefits and there's challenges to it. And I I think those are, are great points. So Brad, tell us a little bit about remote habits, like how obviously that came about from your own story, but how did you get to know that there were so many other people out there that needed to hear each other's stories and learn from each other to save themselves with all that time experimenting, trying to find best practices and routines? How did that come about? Yeah, so I was working on my main app, which is Focus. And Focus is a productivity app. Uh, it's really to kind of keep you off Facebook and Twitter, but it's for for deep work. So you can kind of tone out all the distracting things and, and focus in on what's really important. So I have a lot of experience with productivity from kind of the, the software side. And I noticed that while that's great, and I'm a big fan of that, I'm a big fan of tools that kind of help you. Uh, there's all kinds of just non-software related things, just habits and tools and very human things that have a huge impact on productivity. And then I noticed as I was going remote that this was a bigger and bigger challenge, that as the freedom increased, the the number of choices increased, and it just felt like it felt a lot, a lot of work just to kind of keep up with what was happening. And so remote habits was really born out of the idea of there should be better ways for people to to make the switch to to remote work. And I didn't really like the existing advice out there. It's a lot of 10 things you need to know about remote work, you know, the mm-hmm. the things that you need to know, the thing that everybody's missing, the things you're doing wrong. It's very common advice for the the stage of the internet that we're in right now. So remote habits was really just trying to take a different approach, which is let's just tell stories about remote workers. And then we can maybe start to thread some of these stories together. So with the questions, you can find you know, common answers and you can start to find where all these stories are, are building the same habits and people are using the same patterns. And so that, that's really kind of how it started. And then it's just you know, snowballed from there. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I really do agree with you that we need to get better at telling the stories behind remote working. And Mm -hmm. I think it's very easy, you know, for a company or uh, want to be remote worker to go on online and think, okay, what are the top 10 tools that I need to implement? Or what are the, you know, top best practices that I need to do as a remote worker? Or what's that asynchronous communication that I need to implement in my strategy? And you know, that's, I I think we agree on that point that there's no one size fits all. And it's about creating something that's authentic to you. It's about creating something that works for you as an individual and as a company, you know, within your company culture and creating Mm -hmm. something that allows your, your people to be empowered on how to make the right decisions in remote environments, because, you know, without that, it's not going to work. It's not going to scale effectively. So I, I really am a huge fan of the remote habits community and the content on there, I think it's absolutely invaluable for everybody, for the companies and for the, the remote workers themselves as well. Because I think the closer that companies can get to the challenges of remote workers, the better that they will do at retaining those employees for the long term. I'm, I'm curious, what are kind of the top challenges or the biggest challenges or the most common challenges that you guys are seeing come up time and time again in remote habits from those stories that are being told? I think the, there's probably two. So the biggest one for people outside of remote work is how do I start remote work? That's that's a big question. People aren't sure how to find the jobs. They're not sure if they have the skills. You know, there's a, a lot of, of different ways that you can kind of approach it. And so I think that's something that, that people definitely want to know more about. And that's something that I think remote happens is, is working on, but I think it is doing a pretty good job at right now. The other thing for people that are, are actually already remote working, you know, it, it, for every interview, we say, what do you love most about remote work? And a lot of people say, oh, I love the freedom and flexibility. I get to you know, be home with my family more. I get more time for my hobbies. I don't have to do this crazy commute. I get to work up with more interesting work. The downside is pretty similar, which is it's a little lonely working by yourself all the time is basically mm-hmm. the, the answer. And so this has been pretty consistent. This has been, you know, we've done dozens of interviews and this is always right up there in the top one or two two things they dislike the most about it. And so this is kind of goes back to our conversation earlier about finding local networks that you can tap into. We talk a lot about this in the questions. People find other remote worker buddies that they meet up with throughout the week and go to meetups and coffee shops. And some people just work, you know, out of the house and that's enough to kind of get that. But um, yeah, it's, it's a real challenge. And so you should, I think if you're going to jump into remote work, I think the two questions I would ask myself is one, do I have the kind of self-awareness and the discipline for it? If you don't, it's okay. You can work up to it. You know, there's, there's lots of ways that you can do that. And the other is, is kind of this angle, which is, are you okay with being by yourself for long periods of time? If not, you should probably work on that. You should address, maybe you need to work at a coffee shop. Maybe you need to work in a you know, co-working space. That's really the big one that I've, I've found. And, and it's something I've, I've experienced myself as well. So, Yeah, it's interesting, Brad, because a lot of the conversations that I have from the company perspective is around that remote working well-being and mm-hmm. that remote working isolation and loneliness. And it's interesting to hear that it's coming up from your side as well. So like, how do we move forward on this? You know, as people, as companies in this space, as educators, as content creators, like how do we get these conversations going and actually try and combat this? Because it is becoming an epidemic as we continue to shift in the way that we work, which is, you know, remote. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a great question. I think, um, 
you know, got some, some kind of specific answers, but there's a different approach that I think has been really interesting. One of the, the big tech investors and entrepreneurs that I follow is, and I'm going to hopefully say his last name right, Balaji Srinivasan. And he thinks the story of the century is people moving themselves around to be close to their online communities in person. So basically you have these tribes that you form online and he thinks the big story that is happening that hasn't really been told yet is people moving their physical location to be near these people. And so you see it with stuff like San Francisco with Silicon Valley where people move there to be you know close and you're, you're starting to see this with sub communities. It's very early. But this might actually be one of the interesting things that remote work allows, which is you can work from anywhere. So now work doesn't dictate where you live. Now you actually get to move closer to family, closer to friends, closer to your tribe. Mm -hmm. And so this could be just a major trend that we're just starting to see at the beginning of. Short term, though, I think you've just got to you got to be a hustler. You know, you've got to you've got to figure out you got to you know, you got to be proactive. You got to outreach to people. You got to you got to do the things to stay connected with people. But um, long term, there could be, I think, a really interesting, bigger dynamic at play where, you know, Chicago specializes and, you know, bootstrapped entrepreneurs and Atlanta specializes in a different kind of media entrepreneur. And these subspecialties start kind of having their own network effects, again, just like Silicon Valley. So. Wow, that sounds super interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But shorter term, I guess, from speaking to all of these remote workers and hearing all of their stories frequently, what would you advise companies need to do to ensure their remote workforce is effective and engaged and are not lonely or isolated? Right. Yeah, well, I know that so some people, some companies have tried different things. So one thing is just, you know, getting together every, you know, every quarter is maybe not quite frequently enough, but it's better than nothing getting together once a year, they fly the whole remote team out together and they kind of do that. That's a great way to, you know, for that period of time, kind of fix it. I think it's maybe, I think what you kind of said earlier is, is having those conversations and, and bringing right. communities together to, to talk about remote working as well, right? Like even yeah. communities within companies, like for the remote workers to share their stories, to share their experiences. And, you know, in, in my experience, the companies that just go remote and don't educate or train or empower their people on best practices or self-management or self-awareness mm -hmm. are the companies that have the challenges with this. What are your thoughts yeah. on that? I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think it, it comes down to really one thing, which is, is it a priority for the company, right? And mm -hmm. from everything that I've seen, if it's not, it's not going to work. You know, just like, just like most things, if you don't prioritize it, it's not going to have the right energy to really become what it could be. And so... There's a lot of things that companies need to be doing. All those things that you just said, tools to keep workers connected, education to help them learn, you know, all these different things. But really, it, it's, is it a priority at the company? If your company is set up to be kind of what they call a remote first company, meaning if remote employees are not kind of second class workers, they are just as engaged, they know just as much as what's going on, they can add just as much value if you have kind of this split where it's like, well, we have a core office where most work gets done. And then there's these remote workers that, that attach that can work, but I don't think it's nearly as efficient as, or it can't work nearly as well as being fully remote, taking it seriously. The management understands what remote work is. You know, the, the ownership of the company really believes in it. It can be a huge advantage when you kind of go all in, you see these companies, 
you know, GitLab and Todoist and Automatic from WordPress. And they all have enormous benefits from being able to hire the best people from all around the world. Mm. And they just work with this remote work culture and it just keeps getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Whereas people that don't, they find they get less and less employees, they get more and more expensive, they have less and less specialty. So it's a, it's a big thing if you can figure it out. And it's a big, big advantage for your company if you can, if you can make it work. For sure. I, I totally agree with you. And I think, you know, it really is about understanding, you know, the priorities within the company and is remote working an afterthought? You know, if it is, then right. it's it's probably not going to work. Um, right. You know, it, it can't be an afterthought if you want to really make it work. So, Brad, if you, you know, if there's any remote workers out there today that are maybe finding it a little bit challenging, maybe they're a little bit lonely, or maybe they're just struggling to find those routines, those networks, those habits, those best practices for themselves. What's one piece of advice that you'd give them? So something that's worked really well for me, and I don't, I don't know if this is just, just me, but like journaling in, in all forms of journaling. So writing, but also doing like voice memos. I find that having kind of different perspectives on your situation can be really, really useful. And so as I was trying all these different things, it was really useful to be able to go back and look at things that I had said or felt or done before. You kind of notice these patterns start forming. And I found that as a good way to learn where I need to push myself more, but then also learn where it's like, look, I can spend 100% of my time on this stuff. And it's just, this is just who I am. You know, this is just, these are things that keep coming back around. And so a way of kind of showing a log of what you've been doing for me anyway, it's really helpful to, I get really wrapped up in kind of what I'm doing lately and kind of the latest thing that I'm working on and the habit and trend and, and seeing it over a larger arc actually helps it feel like it's connecting in a, in a more direct way. So I don't know if that, that's great advice. I think a lot of people already do that, but if you don't getting, if you're trying anything, right, if you're, if you're trying to do remote work, if you're trying to figure out your job, if you're trying to learn a new musical piece, the process of capturing what you're actually doing as like a raw material and then being able to go back, I think it, it allows you to make better decisions going forward because you start to learn the patterns that you're repeating over and over. And so, you know, if you notice that just like on Mondays that, you know, you, you, that you're not feeling it, well, then you can start building that into your schedule. Uh, this is how I, I found my kind of domino thing, which is I noticed when I was getting down to the, the office, the whole rest of the day went well. And so what I started doing is I started scheduling meetings like down in the city so that I had to basically get downtown and that kind of was like a way to force myself to get down there but then once I was down there it carried through I, I stuck around it, it's kind of the example of if you're trying to you know go to the gym and lose weight put your gym shoes on and drive to the gym and if you want to turn around and go home do that but you know for the most part once you're there you're going to do the work and so having this stuff written out in a way that I could see I've kind of been you know tallying it and, and graphing it it, it becomes really clear what are the things that I do well and what are the things that I don't do well. And it's mm -hmm. given me a really clear objectives on, on where I should be focusing. So That is really great advice. And it's something that I've, you know, discussed with, with clients before and something I've implemented myself as well, something similar. You know, when you're feeling at your best, you know, when you're feeling really energetic, really productive, you know, really well, pause for a moment and reflect on what you have done to get there you know is right. it as yep. you said is it the sleep is it the exercise is it the water intake is it the healthy food it's probably a right. combination of both 
but they should become your non-negotiables in your routine because they are the things that make you feel like your best and again I think it's coming back to that self-awareness piece I think it's a great insight to give any remote worker um when they do as, as you said earlier you know when they do have that increase of freedom then the increase of choices also rises right so it's about making the right choices for yourself and and knowing which is the right choice for you this is really the the kind of battle that we're all facing which is we were we come from a world of like scarcity where we couldn't get enough sugar we couldn't get enough you know whatever food we couldn't get enough sleep we couldn't get enough and then now we are kind of in a world of abundance and so Mm. you have to tell yourself not to do things that you kind of naturally want to do and remote work makes that harder because it yes. gives you more freedom. And so it's really valuable because it, it I think, it, you know, it makes you like a, a better person. You're not, not like a better person, but like you're, you're, you're a stronger person. You're, you're more well-rounded. You're more able to kind of resist temptations that you don't want to do. And you're more able to go after things that you do want to do, mm-hmm. which I think is, is enormously valuable. And so it's a real trap if you can't figure it out, but if you can figure it out, it feels like a, like a cheat code. You know, you feel yeah. like you just get tons of hours back in the day. You get ton of productivity back, ton of energy back. You get to spend your time on the things that are, are the most viable. This is actually one of the things I was, I was going to mention earlier, which is remote work or with regular work, you have this outcome that you need. Yes. And with remote work, you have an outcome, you have to have deliverables, but a lot of times you can do it in much more direct, efficient ways. And so you don't need to be at a keyboard for nine hours to accomplish the work. You could do it in four. And that freedom of having the ability to do work faster is not, I think, how most office work is done. It's, yes. it's how most entrepreneurial work is done. It's how most freelancer work is done. It's how most contracting work is done. But it's a different mindset to kind of switch from like, okay, this work is going to take eight hours versus I'm done whenever I finish this work. It's, yes. a, it's a very different mindset. And yes. so it's, uh, I think it's, it's very useful practice. If anybody's interested, they should, they should definitely try it. Yeah. And it's probably something that remote workers should be aware of as well is adjusting that mindset because there's tons of research out there and there's always new research coming out around the fact that remote workers are more productive than their office counterpoints. Mm-hmm. You know, however, remote workers are more, you know, inclined to get burnout because they're still working right. at that same <laughs> pace that they were. They're still working those eight hours a day, right. but they're getting more done within a two hour block than they would have in a full eight hour day in the office. Right. And maybe that's a bit of, uh, you know, a bit excessive, you know, it's, it's probably not right those figures but you get my drift you know Mm -hmm. it's we need to educate remote workers on how productive they actually are and I know even for me personally that was a challenge because when I first started working remotely I was working in a hybrid environment and I felt I had to kind of prove myself or prove that I was online for this certain number of hours every day And I actually had kind of nearly forgot all of the things that I had done. So what I kind of challenged myself to do was to write down all of the things that I had got done in that day and reflect back on that at lunchtime and think, wow, like if I was in an office, how would that have looked? Um, But I I do see that that's a bit of a challenge as well, that people don't adapt their mindsets to think, okay, I am much more productive because I've had three or four hours of solid deep work this morning mm-hmm. and maybe I started at 7 a.m you know it's yep. uh it's an interesting one as well what do you what do you think about that one 
Yeah, I, I focus on this a lot, just with my own business. I, I feel like it, as you get more freedom, it gets worse, right? So if I can get a full day's work done in two hours, why wouldn't you do that, right? The, the problem is when you start planning for that, right? When you when you start to say, okay, I'm I'm gonna get to, you know full day's work done in two or three hours or whatever. Having the extra time, I think, is valuable to you know. So for anyway, I don't feel like super stressed out while doing the work. But yeah, I think in general, it becomes a different kind of work. And if you're not used to focusing on like efficiency, like uh, remote work is not about appearances, right? You know, it's it's you, the, the what you said about being able to get the work done, but then you also have to kind of like over communicate. That's a real problem. So remote work is a real challenge for managers who are trying to understand like the productivity of their team. But it's an opportunity for good managers to really get a highly functional team, as opposed to just having kind of like, um, like in in programming, uh, a bad unit of productivity would be like number of lines written that day. Mm -hmm. And so a bad manager might say, well, the more lines of code you write, the better you are. But some of the best days programming are actually days that you remove code. And so mm. you have to be more in sync with your workers to understand, you know, what, what kinds of quality work they're doing. And um, for workers, yeah, I think it is a bit different. It's that independence gives you more freedom and that could be a blessing and a curse. And so you, you I think, get stronger though over time the more you deal with it. I've noticed I've certainly have myself. So I've been able to, things that used to be problems aren't really problems anymore. I've, I've kind of been able to move on to, to other things. So that's been really nice. Fantastic, Brad. So good to hear that. And there's so much advice and tips and, you know, just thinking points, I think, for remote workers and companies either planning to go remote or, or looking to kind of further invest in their remote workforce. So there's tons of great information there. If anybody wants to know more about remote habits and also you've launched a new content network platform as well, right? Yeah, so uh, kind of born out of the similar ideas from Focus, which is really about, you know, uh, productivity and creativity and then remote habits, which is about like independence and, and remote work. This is really starting to merge some of the ideas back together. So it's a content network for creators. It's kind of a next generation cryptocurrency thing. I'm trying to do it really clean cut, no scammy like investments or funds raised or anything like that. I'm just using one of the, the blockchains that I think is has a good kind of foundation. And with that, you can rebuild a lot of today's social media on the blockchain, but where users are the ones that benefit and they own their data rather than you know a large company. And so this is basically what I've, I've been working on for the last few months. And it's a, it's a, it's a small project, but I'm, I'm hoping it, it turns into a big project. So I'm pretty excited about it. If you're interested, uh, check it out at bit.sv. It's a content network for creators who are trying to get independent. So right now, the the internet really incentivizes advertising, which uh, incentivizes creators to have a, a large, wide audience when most creators benefit from going deep into the niches with their audience. And so I see it as kind of a fundamental mismatch that creators have been dealing with. And so with some of the new technological pieces, a lot of new interesting things are possible. So that's that's kind of what I've been, been playing around with. Amazing. Best of luck with that. And if anybody wants to learn more or get involved in the Remote Habits community, where can they go? Yeah, uh, remotehabits.com. We have all kinds of options for people. If you want to interview on the site, that would be great. We'd love to tell your story. There's tools, there's tips, there's articles. One of the cool things about the interviews is that you can click on the questions. And so we ask some common questions among all the different remote workers. And so if you find one that's really interesting to you, like 
What is it like to have a dog while you're working remotely? You can go and you can see all the answers related to that question and, and get all the different contexts about how people deal with that, that kind of problem. So amazing. And yes, I will agree that having a dog remotely presents <laughs> <laughs> some challenges for Certainly sure. <laughs> <laughs> I've yeah. had to learn the hard way. Yeah. When the postman comes, yeah, just don't schedule calls for that time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Luckily, mine's been really quiet. So that's good. <laughs> amazing, Brad. Well, look, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Um, I really appreciate it. And there was there was so much great knowledge in there. So thank you for talking what I like to call real remote um so yeah thank you so much thank you